Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. The title of my message this morning is called From Begging to Believing. Would you write it on the chat with me this morning? From Begging to Believing. From Begging to Believing. I want to inspire you and encourage you from a powerful chapter in Acts chapter three, the Acts of the Apostles, where the Holy Spirit is moving and orchestrating and doing, performing miracles. Things are happening. I believe in today's culture, in today's climate, post-coronavirus, so to speak, we need wonders and signs from heaven. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you agree with me? We need God to be moving in our time, in our lives, in our situations, in our circumstances. And I believe this message in Acts chapter 3 is going to touch your life this morning. Amen and amen. I believe that the heart of Jesus is still moving. Uh, how many of you believe in miracles? I want you to write on the chat right now. I believe in miracles. In fact, I came across a quote that someone said, some people wonder why God doesn't perform miracles anymore. I wonder why they can't see them. In fact, every day God still works. Every day God is still moving and still breathing and changing lives and imparting life and encouraging souls. Why? Let me tell you right now, the day until the day that Jesus comes back, the second coming of Christ, then things will stop. God will stop working on the earth, so to speak, because we'll see utter devastation. But God is still moving. I want to speak to someone right now. You're watching this morning. You've been reaching out to God this week. You've been asking God, if God, do you see me? God, do you know what I'm going through? God, do you know how I feel? I'm here to tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit says, I see you, I know you, and I feel you, boo-boo, and I'm coming through. It's just a matter of time. Oh, come on, somebody, isn't that good news? Right, that's good on the chat. God sees you. God loves you. God cares about you. Even if you have a hard time loving you, boo-boo, God loves you. God cares about you. And this morning, I pray that this miraculous, this utter amazing miracle will speak to your life because this man is a man who was not, so to speak, a likely candidate for God to touch his life. This man uh, is a, uh, was a beggar. But watch this, from begging to believing, from begging to believing. Let's open the story up a little bit more. See, Dr. Luke is the author of Acts, uh, Luke Acts, obviously. He is a sophisticated man. He is an educated man. He is a physician. And I think this might just excite him just a little bit because the person that he's writing about has a medical condition. He's been lame since birth. The Bible tells us for 40 years, he's been stuck in this situation, probably hopeless and helpless. Every single day, he had to be, be carried to the temple gate. He couldn't help himself. He constantly had to have people help him. And it wasn't a bad gig either. Watch this, because every single day, just at the right time, right before service, he knew where to go, where to be, at what time to be at, because he probably earned a good living. And this is his only hope of earning any wage or living was off the alms of pious Jews who would take pity on him. And, and they would, on behalf of their good deeds, give unto him. But what I find so striking and so amazing about the way this uh, intelligent, sophisticated, articulate Dr. Luke writes, how he writes, 
Because if we pay attention between the lines and we read between the lines, what we will see and the undertones of the scripture. And this is what I love. This is my passion. I got a major degree in, uh, in biblical studies. I read between the lines. And if we read the undertones of the scripture, we'll see some contrasts in the scripture. We'll see some juxtaposition in the scripture. And what we see in the scripture in, in Acts chapter three at the very beginning and some major undertones. Look at this guy. He was a beggar. Now, what, what an interesting contrast. He was a beggar begging at a gate called beautiful. Now, this, isn't that interesting? Uh, that his life probably felt anything but beautiful. His life probably felt awkward because he had to literally be manhandled to be put into this place and to put, be placed back home into other positions. But he was there begging at a gate, was at, at this gate called beautiful. Life perhaps for him was not beautiful. Life must have been hard. Life must have been difficult. Maybe his mindset, all, he, all his mind perhaps, this is a, in, just in inferring now, all right, taking liberty here, but maybe he just had a bad mindset all his life because life has been negative to him, but yet he's at a gate called beautiful. Let me tell you something. Watch this, more undertones of contrast. Oh, I got excited there because I was going to jump to my point, but look at this, verse one, Peter and James, that's a juxtaposition. That's a contrast. If you read the gospels, you'll see that they're always in competition with one another. In fact, at the time of resurrection, uh, the book of John will actually say they were racing to the tomb, right? They were racing. I believe John beat Peter, all right? John may have been a little younger than Peter, but th these two are always competing. And we read later in John where Peter asked Jesus, well, well, am I gonna die before him? Are you saying that John is not gonna die? They were always competing versus one another. How about Peter himself? He's a walking, contra uh, a walking contrast. He's a contrasting character. He is a living, walking juxtaposition himself. This is Peter whose birth name is, uh, is Simon. Simon, bendy, a windy, here nor there. It is, it is not absolute. But watch this, when, it, when he has an encounter with Jesus, Jesus says, your name is gonna go. And this is what Jesus always does. He says, you're no longer gonna be Simon. You're gonna be Peter. And upon this rock, firm, stone, strong, I will build my church. This is the same juxtaposition, Peter, who, was, uh, who, who, who cowered in fear and was intimidated by a little girl. Remember this, uh, at, the, at the betrayal of Jesus, when they asked him, Do you, you, you must be the one, you hang around Jesus. Remember, he cowered and was intimidated. And he said, I don't know Jesus. Three times he denied him. But watch this, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and the fire of Jesus Christ, uh, his presence lives on the inside of you. you. There's no more cowardice. There is no more fear, so to speak. Look at this, Peter, he's bold and he's passionate. Later in this very chapter, he's thrown into jail for this man being healed. There's the same Peter in Acts chapter two that stood up before 3,000 people and said, repent and be baptized. This is the same Peter who's now standing up and standing out and talking and, uh, uh, up to the Pharisees and saying, you tell me who, uh, you're telling me I should obey you rather than God? Excuse me, I'm gonna obey God. Look, there's a boldness inside of him. Peter is a walking juxtaposition. We read in this scripture, the contrast of the beggar 
and the gate called beautiful. Why am I saying this? Why is this important? I wanna let you know that the Holy Spirit has told me to tell you this morning that life itself is a, con- uh, is a contrast. Life itself is a juxtaposition. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? All these words. <laughs> they say that life is like a railroad track. Railroad tracks, a pair of railroad tracks. It's good and bad at the same time. You would never know what a blessing is if you never knew what suffering is. Life itself is a juxtaposition and that is in the area that God loves to perform miracles. I don't know if you're living right now between a problem and a promise. I don't know if right now you're living in a mess and you need a miracle. I don't know what you're going through, but let me tell you, if you're living between a promise and a problem, let me tell you, God works right in between that. And that's where he does some of his finest work. We're here on the earth between heaven and hell, so to speak. We're in juxtaposition on a journey of an adventure of faith. Come on, somebody, where God is doing work. I love what Bob Ross says you know, the popular Bob Ross with millennials, all right? He says this, put light, and he, he didn't know, he's a theologian, by the way. Did you know that? Watch this. Put light against light, you have nothing. Put dark against dark, nothing. It's the contrast of light and darkness that each give the other one meaning. Let me tell you right now, in other words, God wants to put some of his life and the, and the some of his light and the darkness of your life or the dark situations of your life, illuminating his presence because he wants to do some work. George Bush even said life is a series of contrasts. What contrast are you going through today? What things are you going through today? What promises, what, what, what contrast of a problem and between a promise are you living in today? God wants to do some of his greatest work and you're, you're a likely candidate Let me tell you, people walk by this guy every single day, taking pity on him, maybe never even locking eyes on him. I'll get to that later. Never even locking eyes on him. Let me tell you, people matter. God sees you. I know you might be hurting. Maybe you've been in church for a thousand years. Maybe you've been in church ever since the day you were born or you've grown up in church, but you have a hard time loving you. You have a hard time believing that God sees you or people see you. Let me tell you this morning, God told me to tell you he sees you. He loves you. And his work is on its way. Come on, somebody. He's working in the middle. And I don't know about you, but as I'm walking out my faith, just like the Israelites, I might not be at my promises yet, but I'm thank, I thank God that I left Egypt and he's working in the middle between my promised land and my, my old slavery. I'm on my way to my destiny. Come on, somebody. God loves to do some of his greatest work in the area of the middle. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus does some of his best work in the middle of circumstances and situations. Life is a, con- uh, is a contrast and a juxtaposition and God is moving on your behalf. Somebody say amen. So it stands out to me that this man who is a beggar is literally sitting at a gate or leaning at, or not leaning on the gate, but leaning on the ground asking for help. All right, but watch this. In fact, the Holy Spirit in my prayer time also told me to tell you this. And the reason I'm saying this is because I believe that because he did tell me this. And there might be just one of you watching today. There might be just two or three or maybe all of you are watching today. But this, this man had to be carried. He had to be lifted up, all right, and placed in this place. And at that point, he, all he was looking for really was not a hand up, but a hand out. 
all right? All he was looking for was a hand out, not a hand up, all right? I don't know what you're going through. This man was paralyzed. He was lame. He was stuck in a position, maybe even a mindset. I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know if the legs of your faith are not working. I don't know if the legs of your relationship or the legs of your marriage. I don't know if if your mind has been paralyzed or life or your mentality has been lame, so to speak. I don't know what you're going through, but the Holy Spirit told me to tell just a few of you that if you're having a problem with anxiety, and fear and you feel paralyzed and immovable and you're not going nowhere in life. Let me tell you, God told me to tell you this. He'll carry you. He'll carry you. Just receive him and let him do it. Stop, hold, stop telling him no. And say, God, all, God, all God is saying to you right now is say, Holy Spirit, have your way. And, and he'll carry you. He'll carry you through the issues. He'll carry you through the problems, the proclivities and the issues of life. He'll carry you. Come on, somebody. Right on the chat. He'll carry you. He'll carry you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be full of myself. I want to be full of Jesus. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want to be so filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be carried by his spirit, not my egoism, not my selfishness, not my self-righteousness. I want to be carried by the Holy Spirit. Take me where you want to take me, God. Show me what you want to show me. Help me meet the people you want me to meet. Help me uh, 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 encourage who you want me to encourage. Stop and, and, and Father, help me to stop looking beyond people and look at the people that other people don't look at or the society continues to miss. Why? Because people matter. So Holy Spirit, carry me to where you need me to be. If I need to be at Albertsons and I need to speak to the cashier because she needs encouragement, Holy Spirit, carry me to that place that I might give someone encouragement. Come on, y'all. In this message, good. God will carry you. Maybe, maybe you're, you're having a, a, an issue just in your mental health and fear and doubt and par- just this paralyzing anxiety. Maybe you're afraid that you're going to die. Man, you're young. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to carry you and influence you and f- fill you up. So watch this, that you're not filled with fear. So you're not filled with anxiety. In fact, uh, just to be open and honest with you, uh, right, but maybe because I'm a workaholic, but a, f- a few weeks ago, I was just I'm working so much. I'm working more than I'm praying, to be honest with you. And I felt fear to spring up, just fear and anxiety. And not necessarily paralyzing, but just I realized that that was just spewing out of my heart. And I realized, you know, I had to take an inventory. What's going on in here? Where is that coming from? And it's coming from somewhere. And realize, I realize, you know what, I need to be, and honestly, I do this for a living, obviously, but sometimes my work takes me away. I need to be praying more than, I, than I'm being afraid. I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, not filled with fear. Come on, somebody. God wants to fill your tank up with faith and belief, all right, and, and, and reliance upon Jesus, not upon these things. Somebody say amen and amen. You know, the other thing that surprises me and amazes me about this text as I study the undertones and marinates in the words and the setting. By the way, this gate is, is historically supposed to be, it was supposed to be very, very beautiful. Some argue whether it was supposed to be on the west side or the east side. Most believe that it's on the outer I believe of the east side where Ezekiel prophesies where the Messiah is supposed to come back. And it's just um, the opposite of the Mount of, Ar- of Olives 
And if you, in fact, if you Google it right now, it's a, an abandoned um, uh, a Muslim cemetery and they sealed off the gate. But in its heyday, uh, the, the, uh, um, not the philosopher, but the historian Josephus actually says that the, the gates were beautiful brass. It was huge gates. And by the way, the, the stones on the temple wall, which the, overlaid the gate or, or was the foundations of the, of, the, of the temple were huge. I mean, a huge, heavy stones. This was a magnificent thing. All right. So here this person was begging. But you know what is cu- interesting about the text? It's the timing of the text. God in time. Watch this. God in timing. It makes you wonder, this man was placed at the temple gate called beautiful every day, every single day, all right? The routine, every single day. And in fact, in Acts chapter, I believe chapter two, it says they also were there every single day praying, okay? And not only that, but it makes you wonder because Jesus often taught in the temple courts. So it makes you wonder where did they not come across each other? Every, every single day, even at post-resurrection, uh, the, the church, the, the, uh, Peter, um, Peter, the apostles, they were in there praying. The church was there praying. So where along the lines did they miss this guy? Did they not see this guy? Did they enter through a different gate? But watch this. I want you to understand this. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough. Maybe you feel like God doesn't see you. Maybe you're like this beggar who is paralyzed and you feel like God doesn't have a plan for you and there is no destiny for your life and you feel hopeless. Let me tell you, this guy probably felt hopeless because he was living like this for 40 years. Maybe you've been divorced and you you know, there is no love for me anymore. Maybe you've been praying for your kid, but you feel hopeless. Like there is no hope for my kid because it's just been too much time, too much time. Time has passed, man. I'm going to stay this way. Let me see God. Let me tell you, God sees you. He's the God of time and the boss of time. I love what one person says uh, in regards to the impeccable timing of God. God is a meticulous clockworker. I love that. So precise his order that, so precise in his order that everything on earth happens in its own time. Neither a minute too late or a minute too early. And for everyone without exception, the clock works accurately. For each, there is a time for God, watch this, to come through, to come through. And little did he know that just at, at this special day, he had a moment and a date with destiny that he came across two men filled with the Holy Ghost who love Jesus Christ and are performing now that Jesus has ascended to heaven are doing the same thing that he did. And you could tell that when, the, when this healing happens that the priests and the Sadducees now, because the, you know, the, the Sadducees, right? They're upset because they don't believe in heaven and now they're preaching about heaven, the ascended Christ. And so they have a problem, right? But watch this, they come across Peter and John coming together as normal and this man's life is about to change. I'm amazed at what Peter and John say. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, watch this. You ever look at a panhandler? Honestly, you know, you know what happens if you lock eyes with a panhandler? Guess what happens? They ain't going to take their eyes off of you. <laughs> once they, once you, hey, oh, and have you ever, that's happened. Like, I didn't mean to look at you, but now you won't stop looking at me. Uh, this is exactly what's happening. What, right? But look at what happens. Peter and John, watch this. They said, look at us. Wow, what statement? Look at us. 
The reason I'm pausing right now is because God pays attention. He pays attention to people. People may have overlooked you. You may overlook you. You might tell yourself how good you're not, how bad you are, how much you, 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 you sinned or how much whatever it is. But God, someone write this on the chat right now. God pays attention. I used to struggle a lot with just who I am as a person. I struggled because I didn't have my parents in my life to tell me who I was. So I had to grow up in the hood a little bit and grow up in baseball and kind of learn who I was by just growing up with just everyday life. And it wasn't until I, uh, I read the book of John when I was 16 years old that I learned a little bit about what God thinks about me. And let me tell you something, people matter. And God said, God pays attention to you. I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know who you're around. I don't know who is influencing your life. I don't know what Instagram videos you're watching, but let me tell you, God pays attention to you. And Peter and John, they say, look at us. Wow. Look at us. Can you imagine this beggar? When's the last time someone looked at me like that? Like that? Like how? Like you care. A a little while ago, before COVID, I remember praying and thanking God because before COVID, our church was growing. It was growing. It was honestly over, it was, um, uh, it was packing out. I should say it like that. And we're hopeful to have two services and maybe that, that will happen in Jesus name later. Okay. But I remember as I was planning the church and that back then it was about two or three years in, you know, there's a bunch of formulas, do this, you know, preach this way, you know, do this thing, you know, look foo-foo, you know, whatever. I don't know. And your church will grow. But the Lord told me this, Michael, love people, love people, and people will come back. Pay attention to them, care for them, love them, make them feel like they matter. Even the, even the, even the awkward ones, even the ones that are hard to love, love them and they will come back and teach them how to be loved and teach them how to love the other people and watch your church grow. I'll never forget a time. Uh, 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 21 years old, serving at my former church, my, uh, a church I love. And I went to the Union Rescue Mission at, on Skid Row. And I went there a few times to just volunteer and help and go with actually the youth ministry at the time. And I remember there was a little courtyard and they would often feed them, I believe every single day, lunch. And what the, what the Union Rescue Mission allowed us to do was just to go and pray for the people as they were eating their lunch. And I remember a particular man who is uh, probably... 10 years, my senior, maybe 35, 40 years old at the time, my senior, that's just a, a guesstimate, an African-American male, fresh out of jail, wearing a tank, tank top, prison shape, you know what I'm saying? And I just talked to him, I said, man, can I pray for you? What's your name? I forgot, I forgot his name, it was years ago. Can I pray for you? I don't forget what happened after that. He said, he said, man, why do you do this? And it struck me. It just struck me where I was. Now, I could have gave him a textbook answer, you know, theological answer. And it just took me back. And all I could think was, uh, um, in my heart was, bro, you matter. God loves you. You know, and later on in the verse, it'll say, Peter and John, they'll say, they say, look at us. And you know what, <laughs> you know what they say? It makes me laugh because it's, it's interesting. They say this. They say, silver and gold I do not have, 
but what I have, I give you. That's a powerful statement right there. Why is that powerful? Most of the world focuses on what we have on the outside. I got my house, I got my cars, I got my jewelry, I got my status. But in the kingdom of God, it's not so much what you have out here. Because watch this, it will go away. But what matters for all of eternity, even right now at this very moment, where you're sitting on your couch right now next to your boot thing, what matters most is what's right here. And for a lot of the world, Christians, non-Christians, we're empty, we're struggling. And I love the fact that he says, silver, gold, I do not have. And as I was talking to this gentleman, I could not uh, think about more or what I was going through in my mind when he said, man, why do you do this? All I could realize and think at that moment is, Honestly, brother, I got something right here and it's beating inside of my chest. Uh, it's Jesus. Jesus is what I have. And what I have, I just want to, I want to bless you. I want to speak a blessing over your life. I want to pray for you. And, and that changed his countenance. I could see the countenance on his face change. Why? Because I paid attention to him. I promise you right now today, I just want to challenge you. Pay attention, pay attention to somebody Love them. You never know what someone is going through. You never know what someone is going through in your life. Just because they drive the Mercedes Benz and they have a two-story house and they got the poodle, it don't matter. Everybody goes through something. Pay attention. And I love what Jesus, or excuse me, I love what Peter says. What a silver or gold I do not have. But watch this, as a church of the, as, of the, of the calling church, I want to admonish you and encourage you in this, if you have Jesus, you have a lot. Come on, y'all. If you have Jesus, you have a lot. Write it on the chat right now. God is not concerned about what you don't have. God is concerned about what you do have. And God is not asking you to change the world with what you don't have. All right, God is asking you to change the world with what you do have. I want to let you know, that we started, we had nothing. And I've said this before, but uh, on the outset, so to speak, but what I do have on the inside of me is so great. I got the Holy Spirit. I got God on the inside of me. I got dynamic power, more powerful than a nuclear bomb. Come on, somebody, a uh, heaven, uh, uh, heavenly power on the inside of me that can make a difference on this earth, a powerful difference in my community, a powerful difference in my family, a powerful difference, difference when it comes to anxiety and paralyzing fear. I got Jesus on the inside of me. So silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. You might be concerned about uh, wanting to help people, but you don't got much. You don't got much money. You don't got much reputation. You don't got much education. You don't got the looks. You don't got this or you don't got that. But let me tell you, if you have Jesus, you got something to share. Come on, somebody, in the name of Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. It's to pay attention to people and share Jesus. Share Jesus. Love people. Whether you're in a hospital, whether you're eating at the dinner table, where you're, whether you're going to your local Albertsons where I live in Arcadia, whether you're going to the DMV, let me tell you something right now for you watching. Pay attention to someone or pay attention and God will put you in the right places at the right time to, sell, to tell somebody, get up, and get, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. This man was so healed. I used to read the scripture and I used to think that maybe he couldn't walk because the latest verse would say that he was holding on. They were holding, excuse me, he was holding on to Peter and John. 
But I, I'm trusting Luke who wrote this, who is a medical doctor, who is a physician. The Bible says that his ankles were so strengthened that he was so healed that he was able to jump up in the air. Can you believe it? That is the awesomeness of God. He asked for money. He got some legs instead of money. That's the goodness of God right there in your life. How, can, how many of you can testify to that this morning? I love that silver or gold I do not have. But what do you have? Let me tell you, this man was looking for a temporary, so temporary fix to a permanent problem. Money wasn't going to be the end all, uh, uh, save all for his life. It was going to be Jesus. Let me tell you, I know the stimmy shimmy came through the mail and you did the little shimmy and you got excited. All right, because some money came through the mail or, you, or, or, or a paycheck may uh, seemingly help you. But let me tell you, there are men and women who receive a million dollars who don't, do not know how to use it or don't know what to do with it. Let me tell you, the real solution for a soul is the person who made the soul. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who's gonna fix all of your problems. Let me tell you, someone who's watching right now, money is not the end all be all. Yes, we need an economic plan for our country and for the world and financial help and financial resources for the underprivileged. And yes, financial help is needed and it is necessary. But watch this, money will not ever save the human soul. Money will not help the human condition. Only the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can help the human condition. He is no CEO, no amount of money, no billions or trillions or financial plan will help humanity with the condition of the soul. It is Jesus, not money. There, and the reason I say this is because it's historical. In fact, one of the famous philosophers, theologians, Thomas Aquinas, once came across, uh, once came across Pope the Innocent, interesting name, Pope Innocent II, all right? He came across him um, as the Pope was uh, in the presence of the church counting all of the money. The, uh, this is the Catholic Church in in, in, in back years and years and years and years ago. And the Pope said this, we don't need to say like Peter, silver or gold we do not have. Why? Because the Pope, the church had it, all right? But then Thomas Aquinas said this, and like Peter, you also may not say, rise up and walk. Let me tell you, we need to pay attention uh, to people more than the, the, the church's belongings, more than even the church's programs. People matter, people matter. Why is this so important as I close? Why is this healing so important in the story in Acts chapter three and the design of Acts? In fact, this is the first miracle in the book of Acts other than the spirit pouring out in Acts chapter two. This is the first miracle uh, uh, in somebody's life. Watch this. And this is the importance of it is it changes um, the community. 5,000 people people are added to the church. I just said it earlier, that pastors spend almost 5,000 years to reach one person, so to speak. But watch this, 5,000, God's timing and God's design and the architecture of the way God does things, the way he does, and we don't understand them because our minds are like this big. He does them on purpose. Watch, this miracle was not only a miracle for this individual, but it touched literally the area, 5,000 people. Why was this so prominent and important? Watch this, because all of the worshipers, all of those who are coming to sacrifice every single day, two times a day or three times a day, all right, is debated. But watch this, every time they came into the temple, they saw that man who was struggling, who had to have been in a, almost in a humiliating way, carried and placed at this gate called beautiful. They seen this 
this man. They gave money to this man. And all of a sudden, a miracle broke out. They seen him jumping. They'd never seen this man take a walk before, walk before. This is why it is so powerful because it changed the community. It reminds me when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. You remember when her life got right with Jesus, she told the whole town just because Jesus paid attention to this one woman or how about when Jesus was in the middle of a crowd right when a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years comes and touched the hem of his coat right a community is changed or Jairus's daughter a community is changed pay attention to people because watch this you never know whom you will touch and you'll never know who they will turn out to be and who they will touch in the name of Jesus Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to The Calling Church. Bring a friend. We would love to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, The Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you.